Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Got your co-host here, Justin, and really excited about the topic because while we've talked around entrepreneurship and practice growth, we have not talked about it in the way that our special guest, Lee Benson, has today. He has a wealth of knowledge around entrepreneurship and business growth and acquisition and everything in between. Um, so I'll hand it over to Lee to introduce himself, but I'm so excited about you joining us and taking some time out of your busy schedule. But Lee, tell me a little bit about your backstory and how you got to just releasing a top seller on Amazon. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. And I've got a pretty extensive experience or background in building businesses over time. On my seventh business, I started from scratch. And this business is called Execute to Win or ETW. And I got my start in aerospace. And along the way, the, the biggest challenge for me was how do we get everybody fully aligned, making better decisions and driving more accountability so we can create value faster as an organization. And so this journey has literally been decades. And what I came out the other side with is something I call the MIND methodology, which stands for most important number and drivers. And this is an operating system, a way of running a business that allows everyone to create value significantly faster and culminated this whole thing in a book that was released this past June titled Your Most Important Number. And so this is the journey that I've been on and I expect to be doing this work for several more decades. This is a lot of fun. And just to give the audience a little bit of a sample of the value that this can create, you had an incredible run in the aerospace business that you had and even showed me pictures of as you built out what was like the most finely tuned warehouse that I've ever seen with what y'all were doing. But give them a little insight in terms of the multiple that's typical in an acquisition. And because of the mind methodology and your process and the value you're able to build, what that looked like when you exited that company, just to give a little bit of a sample of what the mind methodology can do for a business. Yeah, sure. On, on the aerospace side, we repaired, overhauled, and manufactured aircraft parts for commercial operators globally. Helicopter operators, fixed wing operators, no private work so much, but on the commercial side. So anybody moving people out to oil rigs, as an example, or emergency medical transportation on the helicopter side, on the fixed wing side, Delta, American, Southwest, and all of these were our customers. Globally, we had, we probably, um, gosh, had 2000 customers in 60 countries around the world. And our mission was to safely reduce aircraft operating costs. We grew that from three employees to over 500, never wow. took a dime of outside investment to get there. We cashed ourselves all the way just based on operations and found the right strategic buyer. But because of the way we were run, this operating model or methodology, and at the time I sold the business and I actually lumped three and three companies into one when I sold it, we were in the industry. Typical was probably at best eight times EBITDA to sell a company. And we were able to get 21.6 X of EBITDA as a multiple because of how we were run. And if you extrapolate it out, the strategic buyer that purchased us and the fantastic company, Textron, they in executing and all the things with a strategy and buying the company, within a couple of years, it would be like they paid a 4X of EBITDA, you know, finding the right, you know, right strategic buyer. But it's just, it's a testament to how a team can really build to create value, get everybody fully aligned and Again, making great decisions and driving a culture of accountability where everybody does what they say they will when they said they would do it. And you just, you create huge value. And, and, and more than that, the, 
the community that it builds within the organization. It's kind of interesting to watch all the team members acting like they're the CEO of their own role, regardless of what they're doing. And that builds one, one heck of a culture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of be a, a fly on the wall, so to speak, with an organization that it has been a client of ours, but I've had the opportunity to watch you and your team at ETW implement in a rapidly growing business in a rapidly growing space. And it's been really fun to watch because we've even taken some of that even around how the meetings are structured and the accountability and put that in place in our organization. And it's bear tremendous fruit. So looking obviously with our audience being in the healthcare space, I guess get the conversation started around the mind methodology at its core, especially with physicians that are listening. There's always this talk around physicians aren't businessmen. They don't have a lot of that training in med school. They're flying blind. They may have their wife as their practice manager. What do you think? I wouldn't even call it pitfalls, maybe opportunities for a practice organization or just a healthcare organization that's looking to grow are missing out on when it comes to getting the most out of their team and implementing a culture like you're talking about. Oh, sure. And and I think this applies to any smaller, midsize, and even larger business, uh, you know, these principles. But as I think about medical practices and over the years, I've had issues and interacted, you know, with various surgeries, et cetera. And the doctors for sure want to do whatever their highest value activity is the highest percentage of the time. And it can be really distracting if there's constant sort of chaos because people aren't really clear about where they stand, what's expected, those sort of things. In the mind methodology, the goal is to make every decision, every action that every team member takes geared towards improving what's most important. So for the organization or practice in this case, there would be one number that would do two things. It would say above all other numbers, whether you're winning or losing the game, it's a measure of how you create value as an organization. And in the for-profit world, it's typically cash flow or profit. If we're doing all these things, that's growing. And that really is what's best for everyone. The second thing that number does is drive the majority of the right behaviors. And so in the mind methodology, it's an interesting discussion to come up with what is that one number? And surprisingly, in most for-profit organizations, they're not clear on what that is. And if we're not clear on the measure of how we create value as an organization, what are we cascading out to all the other team members? So imagine we're clear on that, and then within the company, uh, we design this in the mind methodology. We think about it outcomes, structure, people. So the outcomes would be this number and a number of other measures that we key performance indicators that we're constantly keeping track of to help us make better decisions to improve our most important number. And then on the structure side, do we have the functional structure in place to, to create that value and have we allocated resources across the board appropriately? And now within that structure, it could be uh, billing, admin, wh whatever it happens to be. Have we been really clear about what each of the roles are and what the very few, usually one to four outcome-based responsibilities are for each role with every team member? Now, as we go forward, there's way fewer distractions for the doctors because everything's running. Everybody knows what's expected and where they stand regarding their performance. And it just, it's like magic and how things really happen without the chaos and the, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, or I thought, you know, so-and-so had this particular task. I didn't realize I was supposed to do it. Now everybody owns the end result. 
And they're not just sort of, you know, I, I call it, sometimes it's maliciously complying. They're just, hey, I did my job. I threw it over the fence. Everybody's thinking about the end result. And if they do something, when they move it to the next step, they're already thinking, is this going to get to the finish line the way it needs to? And if not, I'm going to go find somebody to make sure that it does. It eliminates all the confusion and gets everybody doing their highest value activity geared towards improving what's most important. And that's just better for any business owner, but especially for doctors. And I, for one, do not want them distracted with all the business activities where they're getting ready to operate on my knee, which I've had six knee surgeries. So I'm, I'm an expert. Oh, yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And orthopedics is actually our, our biggest subset of who we work with. And that's what I love wa watching your process and what you just talked about is it really is amazing how few small, medium, and even large size businesses really do define what they're aiming for. They may feel like they have or be able to tell you, but they have not really sat down and done critical thinking around what matters the most to the business from a number, like this target that we're going after. And even departmentally, we even see it like when we step into a physician practice and say, who are the patients that you would like to treat the most? Who are those patient avatars? And most of them can kind of tell you who they feel it is or who they'd like it to be, but they've never sat down and defined that. And going through this exercise, again, having seen you do it, it keeps everything so focused, especially the meetings, which I feel like can be at the end of the day, a huge waste of time when they're not focused and having the conversations around everything centered around this most important number. It just seems like there's so much more focus when everybody does come together and they meet to talk to it. Yeah, it it's challenging with smaller organizations. Uh, you know, so physicians, they're, they would, most would admit that, that I've talked to, we're not business people. This is frustrating. It's very challenging. But any smaller, and I would say even most mid-sized businesses, in my experience, don't really see the value of having an intentional way of running their business, an intentional operating system. And a lot of them have tried operating systems and they didn't work. So they burn out on the concept. They don't see the value of it. And the challenge with most operating systems, whether it's, uh, you know, 4DX or OKRs or scaling up EOS, there's a number of popular ones out there. They make they, sort of this uh, goal setting a standard part or foundational part of, of the operating system. And what I've been discovering for a long time now is that traditional goal setting does not stand the test of time. And the reason it doesn't is it doesn't feel great for the employees. The typical example is, hey, set a goal or three goals every quarter, get it approved by your manager, and then rinse and repeat every quarter. Most employees are, if the senior, in fact, if the senior team isn't really aligned on what's most important, and you're asking everybody else to create goals to improve something that you haven't defined, it goes sideways. And when I look at companies and all their goals, over 90% of the goals when I audit them are typically not very meaningful. They're not going to move the needle, but with the best of intentions. So it's really challenging, I think, for most to see the value of an operating system when this traditional goal setting at its core is broken. And the big difference with the mind methodology is that we know what's most important as a company. Every single team, and in some cases, team member has a most important number, and they're really clear about where they're at where they're going and how they're going to get there. 
And if you have a team that's aligned around one number, let's just say it's, you know, think about the metaphor of playing a football game. We know whether we're winning or losing the game. And there's all these other fundamentals we have to do well to make that happen. And we're working on those, but we're looking at that score. That's actually fun and it keeps everybody focused. And so, well, what is the goal? We have a projection for our most important number over time. Are we on track? Are we falling behind? Are we ahead of the game? This is how teams really like to work. And so what I've noticed with the mind methodology is it catches fire on its own and even cross-functional collaboration starts to happen. Here's my most important number. Can I help you with yours? And how can we collaborate to go even faster? It becomes a lot of fun, whereas the traditional goal setting piece really doesn't. And so I think the challenge for small business owners would be understanding the value of it. And I highly recommend reading my book that was just released, Your Most Important Number, to get the value of this. And the last, or understand the value that you can create with it. And the last chapter in the book is a DIY chapter, do it yourself, here's what you can go through to do it. And as you were saying, Justin, just taking a few of the concepts and, and applying them to your teams, I'm seeing everywhere the results get significantly better. But if you fully apply the mind methodology, it really gets better fast and pretty common with smaller businesses within a year, they're operating at sometimes two to three X the cash flow or profit they were the year prior to starting this mind methodology journey. So I think that's the challenge, how to get your head around it. And last thing I'll say here on this is that most business owners would say, we're too busy to start another thing. And I always sit back and go, wait a minute, you're too busy to fully organize and align all this stuff? Because once you do that, you have a lot of uncovered capacity, so much more time you can spend on other things. And so what are you really saying? It's almost like you're saying you want to embrace chaos. So the best time to start a journey like this is when it's a complete mess and just everything seems to be disorganized and going different directions. That's when it's the most valuable time to start this process. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And being like you said, if it's not a deliberate and brought immediately in focus as a priority, it's just not going to happen. Because like you say, you're just going to let the chaos just constantly overwhelm you and just push you down the road to that. And you mentioned the year. What does, and obviously you do this directly with organizations and help them implement it, but then also even what I'm watching really step back once they get good control over what the process looks like, the meeting styles, the accountability, all of that. What does, and obviously I know this can vary by organization size and everything, but what does implementing the mind methodology typically look like from a timeline perspective to turn the ship? in the right direction and then the employees begin to take hold and be empowered to the process that you're putting in place yeah great question we always start with a senior team if it's a medical practice it's generally a smaller team but there are some practices that have quite a few offices and even more important in those cases to get everybody fully aligned around the value we're trying to create. When we start with a client, we have a sizable internal team at ETW that does this work. We also have quite a number of certified facilitators, and these are consultants that are taking the mind methodology to their clients to go faster. We'll start with a senior team for the first eight weeks. We'll be in a weekly meeting. And within the first meeting, we fully have a handle on what's most important at the top. And we start cascading that very quickly. There's two hats that we wear when we help clients facilitate this. One, we're leadership performance coaches installing operating methodology, the mind methodology. And two, we're an equal brain in the room with the rest of the team with ideas to accelerate the value we create as an organization. And by week eight, 
clients can do this on their own. And we come back in once a month just to keep track of this and make sure that we're really moving in the right direction, creating the value that we can. We have the experience of working with hundreds and hundreds of clients, thousands of teams. So with us in the room, it always goes faster. But if we're not in the room, it still works. And the methodology really works. When I put this together, I wanted something that would work for 80% of teams, even when a superstar leader is not in the room. When a superstar leader's in the room, it doesn't matter what tools they use, they always get the right result because they're focused on the end result. They know what direction to turn the wrench. They're not going to use a tool in the wrong way. When they're not, teams gravitate towards just what's the checklist, what's the process, not thinking about the value to be created. So a big part of the mind methodology is how do you get all these other teams? And again, my initial goal was I want 80% of teams to create significant value, especially when the superstar leader isn't in the room. And so far it's working for a hundred percent of the teams. And so that's what it looks like. It's a one-year engagement, eight weeks, once a month for the remainder of a year. And there's a number of interactions between the meetings, you know, just to help and guide and create value even faster. Before all of that, Step one with every client, no cost, no obligation. We want to make sure it's right for the client and right for us culturally. So we do what we call a two-hour experience. And we get the senior team in the room. And in two hours, we're doing their work with our methodology. And we come out the other side with all this alignment. We have the most important number for the company. We have a few key measures that really makes sense that we need to be looking at to make better decisions. And we have a list of drivers or categories of work that the senior team should be really good at, or if it's a smaller company, the entire team should be really good at leveraging to improve what's most important. And you mentioned meetings, how we facilitate a meeting and keep it fully focused on improving what's most important. Super critical, very foundational to the mind methodology. Everybody has a voice. Everybody's working on improving alignment, decision-making, and accountability, and the methodology doesn't let it drift when you follow it. And again, very important, that first step, which is that two-hour experience, now you get, to, you get to experience it. It's hard to explain a way of running a business to somebody and have them feel the value or understand the value of it. The best way to get it is to experience it. And so that's where we started this two-hour experience process. And I love what you just mentioned too, the meetings and how meetings are run. Because it sounds even when you look at the bigger picture of what you're doing with the mind methodology and what you've been able to accomplish over your career um, in creating value inside of businesses, one of the most profound things that I saw pretty immediately right off the bat in the first meeting was how focused the meetings are. Because uh, even how we ran them, and this is, a, I'd say, 90% of people out there and what you'll find in the book is you usually get on there and you talk about your punch list. This is what I got done last week. This is what I'm doing this week. And you came in and pretty immediately is like, we're here to talk about the blockers that we have in the way personally, or you need help getting unblocked to focus on moving the most important number forward. And that was really profound for us because that's even how we address our meetings now is we're here to talk about how can we help each other get unblocked and not about the things that you did last week or the things that you're doing this week. So talk a little bit about that because it really, if you do this, I can tell you firsthand, your meetings will become wildly more productive immediately. Yeah, and the meetings go by in a flash. Unlike a lot of me, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this thing is dragging on the way it is. It's fun. It's energizing. You never seem to have enough time to get to everything. Because you, you never will 
run out of stuff to actually do. And at a lot of meetings, drift is so easy. And I see leaders ask the question when I'm observing meetings, so does anybody have anything else they want to add? And it just goes down 400 different you know, potential mm-hmm. rabbit holes. Whereas with this process, you know, the, the check-in piece of it, it's important that everybody has a voice and they work on their decision-making muscles. And I think that decision-making piece is, it's super important because a few decisions made at the top of an organization can have the biggest effect on the value it creates. Also, it can raise it, it can hurt the value. Everybody should be working on their decision-making muscles. But there's two sections for the meeting at the senior team, and it can change depending on the size of the organization as you get closer to the front line. The first section is the check-in. What's your biggest win since we met last? And if these are weekly meetings, people can put in professional and or personal wins. A lot of folks put both, but what's the biggest win? And we want to build on that. What's working? What isn't working? We want to do more of it and get excited about that. Some people are uncomfortable talking about it. Sometimes they'll say a biggest win was watching Justin, get across this thing across the finish line. It was so exciting. That's wonderful. And then the second part of that, uh, or the next question, the check-in for each person, what information should the team be aware of or what do they need to know in order to make better decisions? And so now when they put things in there, and most, most don't have much to start with, but then it really gets robust over time within a few months, you're seeing how they think about making decisions. What would go into a decision? What's important? What decisions should we be making right now, et cetera? And then if there's any sort of high level help where they need the team's input on it, but very quickly, they'll put in something around where they need some help. So even with a team of 10 people, you can get through a check-in in 15 to 20 minutes max. And then the rest of the meeting is fully focused on improving what's most important. What's the most important number for the organization? What's the work we're doing in the drivers? How well are we leveraging each of these drivers or categories of work today? And we'll always rank those from one to 10. And a lot of times, even companies that are doing well, you could have a very well running practice with good cash flow, making decent profit. And yet the drivers, the categories of work that they need to be good at, they might be only leveraging them a one or a two or a three. And we'll describe what a 10 state looks like. And we're constantly working on any actions, things that we can do, decisions that we should be making to improve how we leverage each of those drivers in there. When you go through the meeting this way, it keeps everybody focused. And when they, if you're facilitating, if they start to drift, you can bring them back really quickly. So rather than you open up a meeting and man, I've seen some of these where it just looks like we spend an hour or longer having a whole bunch of two and three person meetings in the room and everybody's checking out while other people are checking in and describing their job at, like you said, Justin, all the things that they've been doing. We're here to create value. How do we go faster? And that really keeps it focused. And your question about how quickly can you see a change or a difference in the results? Within four weekly meetings, it is substantially different, substantially different in a really good way. And my sort of litmus test, you know, are we doing the right work is always look back six months to a year. Are we better today than we were six months ago? And even teams that are, they only want to focus on what's, what could be improved or what's wrong or whatever. And they'll bring up all this stuff. And I can't believe this. And it's going to, well, just hold on for a minute. Let's go back six months. What's different today than six months ago? What have we accomplished? How are we moving our most important number and all the other metrics that we have? And usually the conversation, just it just shifts right over to, oh my gosh, it's so much better. It's so different. We did all these things. Here's a list of 10. Great. Trust the methodology. Trust the work. 
enjoy this journey. It's going to be hard. It's going to be frustrating at times. It's going to be super rewarding at times. Just trust the work and always test it. You know, you're doing the right work when you look back six months in time or a year and say, wow, it, it's significantly better today culturally and how it feels and our results. If the culture feels worse and the results are worse, we're not doing the work correctly. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it is so important to to take that look back as a reminder, because as you grow and even working alongside of you, and even just now closing in on 10 years of having our business is it's always a forward thinking of if I can just get there, we'll have less challenges. And it's really more challenges and opportunities continue to present themselves and always will as you continue to grow. And you got to remember to look back at how far that you've come and the progress that you made from a motiva motivation standpoint, because it's easy to forget that. And that is really critically important is how, where were we, how far have we come? And then what are the new opportunities? Because it's a great opportunity to now say, I have a hundred employees. This is a whole different animal. It's like, well, mm -hmm. that's good. And you had like 50 employees last year. Now you got a hundred, but it, it introduces a whole new set of challenges in terms of leadership and culture and, and all of that stuff. So I, I think that's so important because it is easy to lose sight of that for sure. Yeah. And I like the way you use the word opportunity, isn't it? Is, and here's my perspective. Isn't it great that there's, that there is this giant list of things over here that aren't working well, that we can attack to create value faster as an organization. Isn't that amazing? And let's look at our list and let's assign an ROI or return on investment for tackling those things. And then that starts to rack and stack easy, medium, hard. How long will it take? But you look at that list. I am so excited to have it. And where do a lot of leaders go? I can't believe that's messed up. I can't believe that's messed up. And I talked about this a year ago. How come nobody did it? That's not leadership. Let's get excited about identifying the list, tackling it in the best order to create the most value possible, get the entire team developing around doing it on their own. And now you now you enjoy the work. And if I ran out of a list of things to improve them, what are we supposed to do? And mm -hmm. it's impossible to run out of a list of things to, to improve. And my journey from three employees, almost going out of business, this is back 94, probably 15 times that first year, we didn't take pay. It was just really, and then you fast forward to 500. It took me way less time to run a company with 500 people in it by developing all of this stuff than it did when we had 50. And we're at such a smaller example than that, but I can remember going back years when it was just Kelly and I and like in a 600 square foot apartment in Atlanta and the time and the stress that I put into the business there when we had less than five clients to what's happened now with the growth of the organization mm. is like totally night and day. And I even look back there and I'm like, man, I was over worrying about a whole lot of stuff that didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, it's all, a, that's such an important, I think, mental shift and, in an entrepreneur's mind, a business owner's mind, in terms of there's always going to be challenges, but you really need to perceive them as, as great opportunities for growth as you continue to grow, because those are never going to stop. And that, and I think that's a mindset that good leaders, good entrepreneurs, good business minds seem to have is they look at it as opportunities and not as challenges or all of these things that are broken that need to be fixed. It's more of we got another set of challenges that have come with the growth that we have been deliberate about. And now it's time to go attack those. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point. Most leaders and you and I included in there, if we've never gone through something that's wildly challenging, like we intellectually understand that this is going to be tough and we'll probably get out the other side, but it feels really 
different going through it. Like the weight of it is so much more. And if we've never done it before, we can self-sabotage by not being patient enough and other things. So one of the great things about having one of our leadership performance coaches or facilitators work with a team is that we've seen just about everything. And it really helps sort of keep the calm through the storm, if you will, to keep everybody on track. And our clients range from four employees all the way up to 40,000 employees. We have quite a few startups that are our clients and keeping that organized and proving scalable traction and making sure we're allocating resources in the right way, which is usually a huge miss with most startups. We've seen it all. We've gone through it. I built it. I've had exits from a few million to well into nine figures. I've got friends that are even way bigger than that, that I've helped them and watched them go through those sort of scenarios. So seeing all of this, I think it's really valuable to have somebody in the room that can keep things on track, especially when you haven't done it before. I'm sure you've seen examples of that where something comes up, Justin, and with a leader in a practice that's one of your clients and it's challenging for them. And I bet you've been able to help them in a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as we wrap up, Leah, again, I can't, A, thank you enough for letting me learn alongside of you and watch as we close in on almost a year. I've, I've learned so much of being part of this process and seeing it implemented in real time. But tell us two things as we wrap up. A, how can people read the book? And as they either read the book or listen to the podcast, if they want to have you and your team at ETW come into their organization and help them implement it, what does it look like in terms of getting in touch with y'all over at ETW? Yeah, the best place to learn about this would be going to the website, and that is themindmethodology.com. And you'll be able to order the book in all formats. There, there are chapters in the book on connecting a culture to financial results, executing on strategy, performance management. There, there's so much in there that can help you, but it really takes the operating system and simplifies it. And maybe that's probably the most valuable part of this. It's simple, wildly powerful. People get it really quickly. But again, go to themindmethodology.com. And, and one thing we didn't talk about is how do you sustain and scale an operating methodology like this? So rather than trying to keep track of it in 15 different places, whether it's Word Docs or Google or other systems that you have, there's actually software that holds all the elements of the mind methodology together. And you can learn about that at this website as well. Anything on the book, free webinars, leadership tools. There's a number of communities that we have, but that would be the place to go. Excellent. Yeah, make, definitely make sure you connect with Lee on LinkedIn because like you just mentioned, he's doing a lot of stuff around the book right now in terms of free webinars and a lot of content learning opportunities. And we'll make sure that we have the link that you just mentioned so everybody can go learn more about it inside of the show notes. Thank you, Lee, again for coming and sharing your vast amount of knowledge and the book as well. And congrats on the launch. It's really exciting. I've gone through it with my dad a few times and it's a really exciting time and look forward to hopefully having you on the podcast again down the road. And we really appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. And I really enjoy the conversation. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, 
check out my website, kellynott.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.